Hey, it's Aidan here. Just before we get into today's episode, I wanted to let you know about something new. It's called the Magician's Business Group. We've just opened up a Facebook group designed to help you guys as entertainers grow and improve your entertainment business. So if that is you, if you are an entertainer that wants help growing and improving your entertainment business, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you right there. Or if you're like me, have the Facebook app on your phone, open it up and search for the Magician's Business Group and you'll go straight there. Anyways, back to the episode. Hello and welcome to episode 28 of the Successful Mentalist podcast, the podcast that is designed to teach you the tips, the tricks, the methods, the strategies to elevating your mentalism career, improving each of your performances and shifting your mindset. My name is Aidan O'Sullivan, and as always, I'm joined by my very good friend and co-host, Mr. Ashley Green. Hello. Again, he always surprises me with the way he says his hellos, and you guys will never see that because this is a podcast. But today we're talking about something really, really interesting, and I kind of want to get stuck straight in because this is so, so cool. How do you practice magic or mentalism? How do you practice Oh. And I know that we've got a bunch of different approaches to this, that some of which we've mentioned before, but many of which you're probably going to think is absolutely bizarre. But Ashley, we've both got our complete common trait in mind, and there's one way that we practice that's just weird. What is that way? It is very strange. We practice without practicing. There we are. Easy as that. Should I elaborate on what we're on about here? Well, yeah, it's like teaching without actually teaching. This makes for the worst podcast ever. How how do we practice without practicing? Um, so this is it, and it's actually really effective. Like if you want to look behind the science of actually how to practice without practicing, and it's known as something called creative visualization. And by that, I mean, and, and this is something I used to do as a teenager when I was just getting into magic. Like even before I do a performance for the family or friends or wherever. I'd go through and I'd run through the routines in my head. And now when I want to practice a stage show, when I want to practice any type of performance, I will sit, I will lay down and I will actively visualize every single part about the performance. I will go through in real time in my head from start to finish. I'll imagine doing everything. I'll imagine what the scenery is like. Every single thing about the gig, the venue I might be at, the people involved. are, And this is all in my head, imagining it. I'm imagining running through a trick. I'm imagining doing all the secret special sleight of hand moves or using the gimmicks or whatever. Whatever methods I'm using, I'll imagine doing that. And I'll imagine the audience participating with me. It's like I'm doing a full run through in real life with real people, except I'm just imagining it. And the best part about this is that when you do that, like for me, I start to realize, oh yeah, actually I've slipped up there, even though I haven't done it. I'm going through and I'm going through my head and I've gone, oh yeah, that line's weak. I need to take that out. I need to change it. And I change it and I do another run through and I go, oh no, that move was obvious to the people watching. And then I suddenly realize, wait, no one's watching. I'm just imagining people watching. But you get the point, like, because I'm I'm putting all my focus, all my attention and really visualizing a scene and practicing and running it through, I'm adjusting and constantly doing my routines and improving them without ever actually practicing on people. I don't think I've told you this, Adrian, but people have messaged me and they've said, 
how do you practice mentalism in a current pandemic world when I can't go out and perform to people? Like, my area of the world is in lockdown. What do I do? I don't want to go on Zoom all the time and perform. I, I like doing stage shows, whatever. And they've said, how do I practice? And it's quite simple. I imagine practicing. And perhaps we can go into the, some examples and statistics on how effective this is. But I know this is very similar to the sort of stuff that you do as well, like you say. Yeah, it's a really powerful toolkit. And again, we've mentioned it previously on the podcast, but this idea that the basketballers, that basketball study, could you give the details of that quickly? Yeah. So essentially, and and like I said, we're going to, we're taking, take a step away from mentalism here and we're going to talk about basketball. Three groups of people, there was a test done. There were, uh, they were split into uh, three groups, basketball players. Some were said, don't practice. Others was put into a group and they were told to practice for a few hours a day. And then the third group, the guy running the test said, I want you to practice for the same amount of time as the other group per day. But this time, you're not going to touch a basketball. You're just going to sit down and you're going to put all the effort into really visualizing everything. You're going to imagine slam dunking the ball, playing the game, doing all the moves, really visualizing every part of your basketball training but just doing it in your head. Anyway, cut a long story short, the results came back. And obviously, as you guys are probably guessing, the guys who just were told absolutely no practice, don't even think about basketball, minimal improvements. The guys who put in the training, put in the effort, as you guys have already guessed, they improved by quite a big percentage. But the people who didn't, do the physical training they just imagined doing the training through the process that we've described as creative visualization that's what it's called where they actively are on it inside their mind imagining the scenes and going through they improved but not just slightly their rate of improvement was just one percent just one percent under the people who were actively physically training that's insane. Literally just by visualizing, just by imagining yourself training, just by imagining yourself practicing, it can be pretty much as effective as doing it for real. There's also been studies into this, Aiden. I, I think you might be aware of them about muscle growth and visualization in muscle growth. Like If you want to train uh, muscle, if you've got an injury, instead of actually doing weights and doing dumbbells, you imagine lifting the weights and you put all your attention into actually imagine that and there's been studies showing that you can get stronger and just grow your muscle just by training inside your mind because you're prepping your body for it it's a really powerful tool this is exactly it it's so powerful it's the tool that bianca andrescu used she beats serena williams at the major tennis competition she's 19 years old and she beats serena williams and this was the technique that she used. And I want to go into specifically how you can use this technique and the specific elements on how it works. So to get the most results out of this or the best results and to really go deep, you are essentially hitting an altered state of consciousness through this process. You're going into a relaxed state, which relaxes your mind, drops you onto a different brainwave frequency, 
and that's when you're able to start playing around and getting these results. So again, make sure that you're completely relaxed. You're not doing this in a chaotic environment, but you're going to want to pay attention to all of your five senses. And I know this sounds weird, but you need to, if you're thinking of a stage show, you need to be clear on what is it going to look like? See all of the colors and really visualize the audience, the, the venue, the theater, the room, whatever it is, visualize that, see colors, big, bold, vivid colors. And if you're struggling with that, just describe to yourself what you're seeing and you'll find that you're now instantly able to see the colors. It's just the way that the mind works. You want to make sure that you're paying attention to what you can hear. What's going on in the background? Is there anything going on in the background? Have you got music in the background, perhaps? Or are you listening to the laughter of the audience? What is it that you can hear? Get clear on that. Really, really pay attention and feel it. Don't just, yep, okay, there's going to be people laughing. Okay, yep, there's going to be a nice big bright white spotlight. Yep, that's cool. You need to feel it. Again, so that's what you can see, what you can hear. What can you smell? For me, this is actually the hardest one, given some of the situations. But what is it going to smell like when you're on stage? Are you going to smell, smell your maybe your stage makeup? You can feel the heat and uh, maybe that's another thing. Again, you've got to make sure you can pay attention to what you feel. Can you feel the heat of the spotlights? Can you feel the blood flowing through your veins? Can you feel your heart beating at a million miles an hour because you're so energized? What is it that you can feel? What is it that you can see? What is it that you can smell? What is it that you can hear? And also, what is it that you can taste? Another little bit of a weird one, but what can you taste? What's the air going to be like? What is it that you're experiencing in that moment and the reason that works is you biologically train yourself into this situation so that when you're putting it for real you've got all of these natural triggers and you know where this is going it puts you on autopilot to a degree and just means that you're able to perform better it's also a major flow trigger being able to understand and get completely clear on what's going along so again that's something else but that's how you do it you get completely crystal clear on all five senses of what this experience is and direct it in the way that you want. And also imagine it from your own pers perspective. Don't look at it from somebody else's perspective, looking at you on stage, be the person on stage, because then your body will be able to replicate the motions and replicate the actual physical movements. But there you go. That's a lot of information about one way to practice. I know that we've spent an awful long time on this. So I want to move off now to some other ways of practicing. Specifically, what you'll have heard last month for our special guests episode with Andrew Frost. Now, this was one of my favourite episodes of all, but something that he mentioned in there was so, so true. The best way to practice is not to sit for hours in front of the TV practicing a piece of sleight of hand or a billet switch or or something. It's not by repetition in that sense. It's by complete committed focus. Because if you are so focused, committed, your entire attention span is all on this one move, this one billet switch or this one thing that you're trying to do. Maybe you're trying to get handling of just simply picking up a clipboard and turning it round because maybe it's a peak clipboard or something like that. You just want to nail that handling. Do it 10 times over with your full concentration. Think of everything, everything that you can improve on. Think of everything that you can change to make it better and focus your practice, streamline your practice, and you'll, you'll see far better results than just by doing it over and over and over and over and over passively. Get active get engaged with what you're doing exactly like when andrew said that to me it's so true because i remember as well like i've always been a fan of what we've covered creative visualization doing that but i remember i would 
do the little guilty thing of sitting and watching TV shows because that's what all my friends said. They was like, oh, well, if you want to practice a show, you know, sit, just play a film, you know, practice your, your double lift, practice your billet switches, practice your top change, you know, whilst that's going on. And when Andrew said it, I was like, yeah, <laughs> people are giving out really bad advice. Like these people who are saying whack on a film. No, 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 no. And you know, the best part about all of this is you save time because if you're spending hours and hours and hours not actively paying attention, one, you're not really remembering what you're doing. Two, it's not going to be the best you're going to be. And three, you are spending hours and hours and hours of time. If you can strip that down into 10 minutes and get the move better, you've improved your move in 10 minutes and now you've got plenty of free time to do what you want. We mentioned last week about learning and, and that sometimes people can be busy. Well, we've just saved you potentially hours so that now you can go away and read a book and learn more. Bonus. Hey there, guys. It's Aidan here from the Successful Mentalist podcast. Just interrupting for a quick second to say thanks for listening. No, of course, if you have just got a few moments, bring out your phones, whack the, the little subscribe button on. Um, yep, you know, the one that says subscribe, just press that button. And again, you're going to get updates from every time that we drop a new episode. You'll get those notifications straight into your mobile device or wherever you're listening to us. And again, it'll help boost our stats and get us out to more magicians and entertainers ac across the world, which is exactly what we want. Anyway, I'm going to leave you to go back to the podcast now. But make sure you subscribe. Do it. Do it. Put it like this. If you want to sit and just repeat your piece of sleight of hand or your billet switch, and again, we're just using this as mechanical stuff just for the example, but it applies to any other type of magic and mentalism, which we'll touch on in a minute. But if you want to do this on repeat over and over and over passively, sure, you might get 1% better. 2% better just by this rep complete repetition but full committed attention to this one thing in these 10 minutes you're probably going to get at least 10% better 20% better just by your complete critical thinking in that one moment and it's such a powerful tool and you're right it actually it gives you that opportunity to then great I've now freed up a couple of hours to go and do something that I enjoy to go and learn something new to go and improve the relationships that I've got with the people and the community around me. I can go and do that now because I've given myself that free time. But I want to answer some quick questions that I know our listeners are going to have. Who should we practice on? Should we practice on our friends? Yes or no? Yes. Should we practice on our family? Oh, can I be awkward? Go on. Yes and no. <laughs> wildly unhelpful keep moving on uh, should we pra uh, practice on our colleagues our work colleagues yes should we practice on random strangers that we meet 100 percent, definitely yes that's the biggest yes of all perfect let's, let's jump into those a, a little bit so performing on your friends you said yes i completely agree with everything that ashley's just said there Yes, performing for your friends is great. They will know you. They're going to be naturally much more relaxed and you can count on them to give you completely clear critical feedback, whether you fooled them or not, whether that's your intention 
or not. Maybe it's just you want to show them a routine that they've all already seen before. You want to show it to them in two different ways because you want to try two different presentations or you want to try two different things or whatever the case may be. These are the people. And again, if you build that community up, as we spoke about last week, these are going to be perfect people to try this on and because they're going to give you this honest feedback that will help you improve. Yeah. I often find that the friends are the most critical, mainly because they've seen all of my stuff. Yep. They're looking at it and they're like, hmm, this isn't as good as the other thing you've done. And this is both layman friends and both magic friends because both have different insights. The layman friends, well, they catch you out on methods if, if your methods are obvious, but they mainly judge your performance. And then your magic friends judge the other bits that come with it. So both sets of friends is worth practicing on. Completely agree. So family, this was an interesting one. You said yes and no. What did you mean by that? Yes and no. Yes, it's great practicing on family. But sometimes for some people, family are not going to be as honest. Until your family realise that you need to do this and you need good honest frank feedback they're just going to be like oh well done keep up the great work and they're not going to be honest with you and let's be honest they're trying to do well but that doesn't help anyone what you need to do is explain to your family i am dead serious about making this a career a serious hobby a thing and that you expect really good feedback from them not just like a load of faff so that's why I say yes and no, because not all family feedback is going to be honest and great. The second reason why I say yes and no is because the family knows you for you. <laughs> they know you as yourself. And when you jump into performance character like me, the family sometimes finds that very jarring and they're like, what? <laughs> and they don't fully get it. And that's another reason why it's a yes and no for me. I used to use my family when I was younger to practice just the odd trick and be like, Mum, I've I've done this. Can you have a look? Is it all right? And I explained and she understood that she needed to be critical. But nowadays I, I don't practice on the family. I'd rather practice on friends, both laymen and magicians, because with the character it's just... It's too jarring for my family and they just unfortunately don't get it because they're seeing two different people, if that makes sense. Makes complete sense. Um, I, Although I don't have such a polarised character in the way that you do, Ashley, I can ditto your points. It, when you're around your family versus when you're on stage performing, it, there is a difference. Whether you're just an extension of yourself or not, there's still that extension if you are, even if you're just yourself there's still that different environment because you're playing to different people, playing in a different field. And when you're performing for your family, more often than not, it's going to be tough because you're not authentically you. Although, as you said, if you can perform for your family just to road test methods, just see if a method is good, or if you've got a cool method that you've learned and you really want to try it, by all means, test it on your family. Do it, give it a... You don't need to go in a full-on presentation, but test a handling, test a, test a method, and just give that a go. But don't expect major results from performing for family. So the third category, should you perform for work colleagues? Yes. The reason why I say yes in that is because I do it 
all the time and I used to do it like now <laughs> I, I quit the the boring job as an estate agent to pursue magic so now I'm literally <laughs> magic 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 all the time surrounded by magicians so I don't think my situation counts anymore so I'm, I'm gonna respond from my old job yeah I would practice on colleagues all the time because they are like random people they're not yes they are kind of friends work friends and you have close friends there distance friends there and then and then the strangers but it's almost like that middle ground between friends that know you well and complete strangers and it can be a little easier to perform to people if you've got those anxious nerves because you know the relationship's already there they might already know you as a magician so it's easy to go in and say can i show you a trick so you've got that on your side and yes, it is exactly like performing to someone that you've never met before. I think you're going to get honest feedback from them and you can judge their reaction. You might find the odd person that's just overly nice if they don't like it. But more often than not, in my personal experience, you get the similar sort of reactions as you would whether when you're practicing on uh, on complete strangers, both the bad reactions and the good reactions. I love it, and it's just a more comfortable in to be able to perform. Yeah, ditto on all of that. It works incredibly well. It's a really good opportunity, and um, yeah, it just for me personally, it actually benefits my business and the awareness of me performing. So I perform this, I get the benefits of all the practice and obviously all of that kind of stuff. But it also gives me a reputation. Like everybody now knows. I'm the magician, I'm the mind reader, which means that then I've got an entire community of people that I work with. And if their friends or their family have events going on that they're looking for entertainment for, well, they already know that I do this stuff. And because we've spoken, because we're close, we, we've got that uh, connection, they're more likely to introduce me or pass the information my way. And it gives you an opportunity for more more business benefits, which, again, we spoke about last week in the community episode. But, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really useful tool. But now for the big one. Strangers. We both said 100% yes. Yeah. Why should we perform for strangers? Why should we practice on them? Because more often than not, that's what we're going to be doing anyway. Right? When you're at a gig, like... Most people listening to this are going to be probably like, we know, Aiden, that they're going to be like, yeah, I want to do weddings. Yeah, I want to do parties. Yeah, I want to do a stage show. That's the majority of our audience, right? Some of them are doing that really well, and some of them just want to get into it. Everyone in those situations are going to be strangers, right? So by practicing on strangers, like, I don't know, heck, you're at a coffee shop. You go to another table. Can I show you something? You're on the street. Can I show you something? One, you're now practicing dealing with strangers. You're practicing that conversation, that introduction, which is only going to play benefits when you're actually at a gigging environment. Two, you're performing under those nerves of performing to that complete stranger that's never met you. And three, I believe that person doesn't really care if they're going to be like, oh, nah, can we just move on? Like, I'm not, in, I'm not enjoying this. And they're going to walk off. Like, if they're in a coffee shop, they have no obligation to watch your 20 million phase mind reading routine they could just bugger off if they're in the street they could be like i'm oh, sorry i've in the british way possible sorry i've got to go i've got a bus to catch and just bugger off and then you know yeah yeah that was a naff routine i need to improve like it's going to get you really really good 
honest feedback, good practice in a genuine setting, and you're going to develop your confidence, which is going to pay dividends when you actually go into the paid scenarios where you're going to be performing to strangers. Exactly that. Exactly that. It's so, so important for you guys to understand that performing for strangers might be scary. You might get really nervous about doing that, but it's sure as heck one of the best things that you can do to get good real-time feedback and you never know sometimes you'll actually and again both me and Ashley have experienced this we've started performing for strangers and it turns out those strangers really like us they were blown away by our tricks and they've booked us yep they've given us the paid event because they liked it and that is an opportunity that you're not going to get by sitting and creatively visualizing you're not going to get that active thing so it's really about finding your best or your preferred opportunity to do that. And yeah, it's so important. So they're the they're the who's. There's obviously a lot more different categories of people, if you like, that we could discuss. But I kind of want to wrap up on, on this episode by talking a little bit more or sort of specifically about what should we be practicing? Should we be practicing complete full-on routines? Should we be practicing full script? Should we be practicing little bits of method or techniques or what what should we be practicing what do you think Ashley can I just say I don't think there is an answer for that I think it really depends on your situation your scenario what you want I think you've got to ask yourself the question first of all what do you want what are you doing what are you trying to achieve here like there's times when you might have time constraints where you have to think right (laughs) what have I just got to improve? There might be other times where you've got plenty of time so you can run through the whole thing. Or there might be things where you've got like a solid set, you've got a solid presentation and you're just swapping out to a different method. So you're thinking, let's practice the method, get the method down. Okay, now let's do a quick creative run through in my head. That works. Now do a real run through to real people. That works. But the majority of the time you're spending on the method, like it depends on the actual outcome. So there's no specific. Well, this is my opinion. I don't believe there is a specific answer to that question. I think you just have to ask yourself what are your strengths, what are your weaknesses, and what do you need to achieve. Does that make sense? It makes complete sense. It's about unlocking your highest leverage tasks. We talk about this a lot from our own perspective, and when we're trying to improve on our our actual daily work we're trying to find out what are the highest leverage tasks the tasks and the specific activities that are going to unlock the most benefits so it's like the 80 20 rule some of you might be familiar with this but it's the 80 20 rule and that you 20 percent of your input should equate to 80 percent of your output and that's what you've got to try and do in when you're practicing sometimes it might be a really good opportunity as ashley said to highlight your weaknesses hide them in amongst all of your strengths and go and practice that and make sure that your weaknesses become strengths through that safety training. And again, the easiest way to do that is to just go and do it. Now, unlike Ashley, I do think there is a correct answer to this question. And I don't think that you should practice full scripts. And there's a few reasons for that. But when you practice full script, if you go out there that first time and you slip up on that script or you miss a word or forget a line, you're going to be so hooked on that mis- slight mistake in your scripting 
you're going to be so hooked. All of your attention is going to be, oh my God, I missed the line. I can't afford to forget anything else. You, your brain will naturally switch to, I must deliver my scripts correctly. I must focus on my scripts. And nine times out of 10, you'll neglect something else. And you'll come away thinking, oh my God, that was terrible. That was awful. Actually, you probably performed really well. You just made a few minor mistakes because you were so hooked on something that you had fully planned out. So instead, my approach is to just script the key parts, the key lines that your instructions, for example, in my witch hand routine, play here, take, I want you to take this coin or this object or whatever it is. If you've got something of your own, that's great. Hide it in one of your hands behind your back and bring your hands out whenever you're ready. That's my script. That's all I've practiced because that's all I need to practice. I can talk to other people at this point. I can be more relaxed. I can communicate with other people, including my participant, and be more relaxed and be more authentically me. Whereas if I'd steamrolled an entire bit of script in there, there's no opportunity to be flexible, to be yourself, to just enjoy the moment and savour the moment. So in terms of scripting, definitely only script and rehearse the important bits or the enough to make you just comfortable. But I would avoid scripting the entire thing. But again, I suppose Ashley is right in that respect. Not everyone will resonate with that. But from my personal experience, that's how I practice scripting. Um, but also in terms of methods, I just want to quickly throw it in there that I practice little bits of psychology every single day. You guys know that I'm obsessed with using psychology in my performances. You guys know that my witch hand routine is purely psychological techniques and that I use that every single day. But there's only one way to test them and that's to actually do them. And I do these little bits every single day and I do that by embedding it in small little conversations. For example, if I've got a new tell or a new approach that I want to try with which hand just because we're on the topic, I'll ask people, oh, just hide that rubber in one of your hands or hide that packet of salt in one of your hands. I'm going to try and guess where it is and just, just do it as a bit, just turn it into a little thing. So for example, if you're going to do uh, like a billet switch in this case, then maybe it's got a flower on it, you fold it up and leave it on the side. And then you say to somebody, oh, wait, do you mind just holding this for a second? And then they've got that, if they suspect it, then you're over, then you know that's what you need to work on. But if they don't suspect a thing, that's how you can practice your method completely home dry. You don't need to do it with billets. Practice billet switches with everyday objects like a pencil sharpeners or with rubbers or or like bits of stationery. And you can just do all of this stuff and find ways of practicing it in unconventional ways every single day. And naturally, you're going to get better without overtly practicing. Yeah, that's beautiful. And so exactly that, like what you've said, it is down to the person involved. It's like what I said, like you've got to find out what you want to do and you've got to find out what suits you. And that is because we are all different as humans. And as we all know, we learn in different ways. So we have to find out what suits, what works for us. And again, this is why this month we wanted to put a variety of different topics out from how to actually learn, how to use your community and the importance of that. And now obviously how to physically and mentally practice so if you want to re-listen to this it's worth doing because there's a lot of information shared you know do give some of these things a go like for example uh, if you've never tried creative visualization before give it a go give it a practice see how it works for you see the results like 
re-listen to this if you need to. But I really do hope you've taken some information away today and from the last few episodes because they've been really, really useful ones which you guys can take away to imply directly into your mentalism. There is one more thing I want to pass back to you, Aidan, as well. I know you're dying to say something, but I also want to say, after you've said the thing you want to talk about, can you tell us about what's coming next on the TSM podcast? I can indeed, because we've crammed so many important points over the last couple of episodes. We're going to put this in an ebook for you guys. You'll be able to download that on our website. If you check the show notes, which I believe on Apple Podcasts, you should be able to just swipe up. On Spotify, you just click and look at the description. On all the other podcast providers, I'm sure it's similar. But check the show notes because, again, we're timestamping these now so you can jump back specifically to any key points that you want to revisit. But we're going to do a, an ebook that's got all of the information from the last three episodes. So it's probably going to be a little bit bigger than our usual ebook. So flood that with value. But yes, that's what we're going to do. And what's next? Oh, this is fun. This is a good episode. We've got another special guest. And. You guys might already know him, but you'll have definitely heard of him because we've spoken about him at least once on the podcast before. Here's one of our best friends in all of magic. He's a creative genius. He is literally our problem solver. We go to him when we've got problems or questions and he just has all of these answers. It's pretty miraculous, actually. Uh, it's almost like he's walking Jesus, but... Next week, except I, that was a weird comparison. I'm sorry, guys. But next week, we've got the incredible Tahar Mansour. Ah, oh, I'm so excited. This is going to be an episode that you guys are going to love. I would love to say everything that we've spoken about in that episode. But if I'm honest, we haven't recorded it yet. I'm just so excited. It's going to be great. You're going to take so much from this. That's going to be it for today's episode of the Successful Mentalist podcast. Please do share, subscribe, tag us on social media, screenshot and post and do all of that stuff. And we'll all share it and engage and level up all of our Instagrams and Facebooks and social medias. Let's beat the algorithm and let us know if you've got any future requests for topics. Maybe there's something that you're just dying for us to talk about in the podcast. Don't be afraid of contacting us. Reach out on Facebook, on Instagram or send us an email to thesuccessfulmentalist at gmail.com and you'll be able to get that direct through and we'll be able to get all topics that you suggest into an episode at some point. So until then, stay safe. Catch you next week for an incredible episode with Tahar Mansour. Hey, it's Aiden here. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did, it would really mean the world to us if you just took a moment to leave a rating and a review on your preferred podcast player. That way it just helps us grow the show and get it into the ears of more listeners across the world in a non-creepy way. Also, when you're ready to roll, here are three ways that we can help you right now. Number one is to join our free Facebook group. It's called the Magician's Business Group and we're creating the most valuable space on the internet for entertainers that are looking to grow and improve their business. We'd love you to join us inside, so to do that, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash group and the magic of the internet will take you straight there or just pull open Facebook and search for the Magician's Business Group. 
Number two is to take our new quiz. It'll help you find the biggest opportunity in your entertainment business right now. And in just a few quick questions, you'll be presented with a seven minute breakdown of your biggest opportunity and how you can actually go about tackling that to help increase your entertainment business and boost it completely. In order to take the quiz, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash quiz. And we'll be able to get you your results. Number three, momentum. If you'd like to make an extra two grand a month in magic without paying a penny for advertising, we'd love to help you. Our latest coaching program, Momentum, is designed to get you booking gigs every single week for at least £500 so that you can be growing your entertainment business without having to worry about websites or business cards or advertising or any of that kind of stuff. To find out more, just head over to thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum. That's thesuccessfulmentalist.com forward slash momentum, and we'll send you all of the details.